0: So this is what I'm going to call book part four. It's been a really long time since I have um, did book part three, where I focused specifically on the audio for my book. I'm going to have it transcribed and made into the book because I don't have time to sit down and type. So I'm going to recall things and speak them on here. And um, hopefully it'll be in print someday. Anyways, when I left off with book part three, I had just encountered David Bowie for the first time in Hartford, Connecticut. That was July 15th, 1983 in Hartford, Connecticut. Now, keep in mind at that time, I was still 15. I turned 16 October 1983. So, we're still in the summer of 1983. I had moved from Virginia Beach up to Ellington, Connecticut to live with my granddad, Grumpy Gramps, and my aunt, Karen. Karen is only eight years older than me, and Grumpy Gramps uh, is my granddad. I mean, unfortunately, he has passed because I learned a lot from him, and I loved him a lot. Um, He's the father of who I call dad, Chet Lechner, Chester Lechner. Chester Lechner adopted me, as you recall, from book part one, when I was one year old. So I call these people family. They raised me, and those are who your family is. That That's family. Anyhow, I didn't wanna move from Virginia Beach to Georgia. My dad and my stepmom announced that they were moving again from Virginia Beach to Georgia. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't want to move to Georgia. I don't know anybody there. So I wanted to go back up to Connecticut where I was from originally and finish out the 11th and 12th grade. But I had this one wild summer to do pretty much whatever I want because my Aunt Karen was working Monday through Friday and my grandfather was working Monday through Friday and he would go to um, a club not a dancing club it was called the maple grove club every day after work so he was hardly ever home except for weekends which means I got to raise serious hell (laughs) and in my opinion raising hell means going to concerts all the time so anyhow um after the David Bowie show which was July 15th the next show I went to I got to meet a lot of my aunt's friends. My Aunt Karen's only eight years older than me, so she knew a lot of people because she was raised there, and some of them were younger than her. So I hung out with a guy named David Chamberlain, and he had a friend named Chris Bonk, like B-O-N-K, Chris Bonk. They're like, oh, gladly show this uh, 15-year-old around. I didn't look 15, by the way, Not even close. So I wanted to go see the B-52s in East Hartford, Connecticut. There's a place called the Agora Ballroom. And um, I got to know that place very well, by the way. Went to the Agora Ballroom to see the B-52s dressed in a pink satin pillowcase. I cut two holes for my arms, one hole for my head, slipped it over my head, Wore it as a dress, a hot pink satin pillowcase. And I used a chain link for a belt and put a padlock on it. So I wanted to look punk. No nylon, no stockings, just high heels. I borrowed from Aunt Karen's closet. Took my hair to the side in a high up ponytail. Dipped it into blue food coloring. I just wanted my hair blue for the concert, which was actually a mistake because it took a really long time to get that blue out of my hair. And it ended up looking green. Long story. (coughs) There you go. Anyways, I looked smashing in my pink pillowcase dress, which was extremely short. And had these two guys, Chris and Dave, fawning over me. It's amazing what 15 year old vagina can do to men sorry but like they didn't know how old it was they probably thought it was 17 18 actually back then men men didn't really give a fuck how old you were because nobody asked nobody ever once said how old are you they didn't care they were just like let's go and by the way that b50s show B- b52's show was one of the best concerts i've ever seen in my life they fucking blew the roof off of that place if you've never seen the b-52s in concert i feel sorry for you because holy balls the band was so tight and i wasn't drinking at all by the way back then i wasn't much of a drinker i just wanted the music and um oh i just if they ever hear this i doubt they ever will but i want the b52 to know that they are in my top 10 concerts ever the horn section, everything was just so tight they're amazing, amazing so um even though these guys were both tooled for me, I was sort of juggling both of them, making out with one on one day, making out with another on the other day, on the back of a motorcycle, going to this party on the back of another motorcycle, going to another party. I mean, I was the new girl in town, and Ellington is a cow town cows cornfields farms and then there's dot showing up uh dressing like that and uh young fresh fit um hate to say it but a lot of the girls back then anyways were not fit so and i'm not trying to be arrogant okay because you must know by now i'm not arrogant but the guys were just like throwing themselves me at me and i was like whatever um, it was fun. So then came school. The end of, I mean, during that summer, I went to a lot of parties. Um, the girls didn't like me at the parties. They were like, rawr, rawr. they did not like it. They were just pissed because the guys were tripping over themselves to talk to me and everything. They were all too old, by the way. Not once did I meet a 15 year old. <laughs> the guys were. Uh, twenty, twenty 20 and older and the girls were calling me a wench. That's the first time I ever heard that, that word. I was like, what's a wench? And they were laughing. But there were some neighborhood kids that kind of had my back because they remember me from growing up, you know, intermittently on that street. So it was not like I was a complete stranger. 14 Penfield Avenue is where, um, you know, when my dad married my mom, that's, that was his dad's house, and I was there quite often, even before the age of five. I mean, I was playing with the Bull family, B-U-L-L. They lived on that street, and Zane Bull and I are still friends on Facebook and stuff, so I knew the families on that street. Unfortunately, Kathy Benson got in a motorcycle accident and died um i so they kind of took me under my under their wing and showed me around a little bit but and David Chamberlain was from Ellington, and he was definitely too old for me, but anyway, that was a fucking great summer, I'll tell you and then when school came around, so this is the eleventh grade. I'm living in Ellington, Connecticut, so naturally I'm supposed to go to Ellington High, right? My granddad lived on a dead end street surrounded by fields of corn. And everybody was a farmer in Ellington. And that smell was beautiful. The smell of cow manure, horse manure, I enjoy that smell. I remember hearing morning doves every morning when I woke up and I went jogging every single day in those fields. So it was a beautiful town. I mean, I guess you call it a town. What else do you call it? Ellington was just great. I'm sure it still is. Anyways, I went to (laughs) school in Ellington High. Dressed in, I mean, it's super hot out. You know, the first day of school, early September, it's still baking hot from the summer. So I'm wearing... A little skirt, cotton, stretchy black and white skirt, Dalmatian skirt, and I'm wearing like vans from Virginia Beach. I still had the Virginia Beach girl look. You know, I hadn't got a new wardrobe. Where would you get money at age 15 to go out and buy Timberland boots and jeans and flannel shirts to fit in in Connecticut? You don't. Certainly my grandfather and my aunt aren't, you know, gonna. Say, hey, we got to buy you some different clothes to make you blend in. They were busy, and so I just wore my beach girl clothes because I had lived in Virginia Beach the last mm, two years. Anyways, I got the straight bleach blonde hair going down my back. I'm wearing a cut off shirt. You can see my navel. I'm wearing a skirt, and I got vans on. So I look like somebody from the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High, like a valley girl, beach girl. I walk into the Ellington High School, and uh, they're all wearing farmer clothes, jeans, flannel shirts, suspenders, you know, to hold up their jeans, and that's it, and they looked at me like I was lost. They're like, really? Nobody talked to me at all. I sat at the lunch table alone, not one person offered to sit next to me or offered me to sit next you know they just blanked me out completely that's fine i wasn't sad i wasn't crying i wasn't nervous i wasn't angry i was just kind of apathetic like all right whatever and there's no cell phone back then you can't sit there and look down at your phone and scroll on twitter to ignore surroundings you just sit there but I was taking note in my head that I don't want to ever go back to that school I didn't fit in so I finished out the day when I saw my aunt and my granddad I was like I'm not going back to that school this it's just not happening there was my grandfather really he wasn't involved in that decision he was just busy and I, I didn't ask him. I think it might have been casually mentioned to him or whatever. But my Aunt Karen had a friend. I think her name was Karen Delfino. She lived on Skinner Road in Vernon. <coughs> oh God. Am I supposed to apologize every time I burp? I'm not gonna. So Karen Delfino's family. Now keep in mind, Karen Delfino's like eight years older than me, nine years older than me, so I'd say 20, I don't 23, whatever. They're all out of school. So the plan was, we're going to pretend that I live, or I moved, into Karen Delfino's house so that I had a Vernon-slash-Rockville address so that I could attend Rockville High. Nowadays, in 2022, that's a crime. I've, I've heard parents go to jail for that, actually. You're not allowed to lie to get into another school. But way back in 1983, before computers, that shit was easy to get away with, okay? So they all felt sympathetic to me. Like, okay, let's pull together and let's get Dot comfortable at school. So she goes to school. And I went to school to Rockville. They dropped me off. I'm not gonna lie. Sort of the same thing happened again. That day, I wore a pastel pink corduroy mini skirt that had gold zippers down the side. And down each side, there was a gold zipper. And a cut off hot pink shirt. Cut off means it comes down like four inches under your boobs and you can still see the stomach. You can see the belly, belly button a little bit. You know those beach shirts. So, and I had my checkered, black and white checkered vans that had pink, a little bit of pink on them as well. Pink was the color. I hate pink now. I'd never wear pink, but I was all about pink back then. And I had my blonde hair. And my aunt dropped me off in the morning. I was told, in order to go to that school, by the way, (laughs) there was one deal. I had to take six months of VOAG. VOAG is short for Vocational Agriculture. That was the deal. And I was like, anything, anything. I'll do anything to avoid going back to Ellington High. So sign me up for the (laughs) VOAG. So they had these outdoor classrooms. They were like portable classrooms. I guess you could say trailers but air-conditioned trailers because the school wasn't big enough for VOAG so they had these outdoor classroom things and I had to attend VOAG for six months and me and the farmers had a little sparring but it became a joke actually so I'll get back to that in a minute (laughs) I walked into Rockville High down the main corridor and I'm not kidding I still remember it perfectly, because it was like a scene in a movie. I walked in, and everybody knew each other, cause they all from that town. They've lived together and gone to school together for eleven years, whatever, eleven grades. And then I walk in, they don't know me from Adam. I walk in with the blonde hair, looking like Heather Thomas. That everybody compared me to Heather Thomas. Google her if you want to see. I looked like Heather Thomas, and I wasn't. Dr. Dot back then. Okay. I was Dot. I walk in and they all look at me and stop talking. Everybody in the hallway, crowded hallway in the morning. They're all assigned to their locker or whatever. Stop talking. And this is the second day of school. So they already had a day to get to know each other and get their locker and all this other stuff, and know what class they're in. I'm trotting in there on the second day of school, or maybe it was even the third day. It might have taken me two days to, to slide in there. So I'm new. Really, really new. And they all fucking stop talking. The, every, they all push themselves up against the locker, like, to get out of my way. As if I was super wide, which I'm not. They just went up against their locker and let me pass. And of course there was tons of whispering and the guys were drooling with their eyeballs. And the women were sending me death rays with their eyeballs. And I went to the school office to ask where I'm supposed to go and all this other stuff. And was shown where my homeroom was and it was really not easy. The women um never did warm up to me. There was a couple girls that did. In my art class, in my ceramics class, th- there were some friendly ones. Um I remember Cheryl King and Tracy Bodidas, and there was Vicki Olette. Um Vicky was the boldest one to hang out with me, but I found out later it was You know, after a while, she used it as a way to get into concerts for free. But but that's another story. Anyhow, going into the VOAG containers was hilarious because they could tell that I was not into farming. Although I have the highest respect ever for farmers now. We need farmers. We can't live without farmers. Farmers are the most important people next to nurses and doctors. I mean, we need farmers. They are essential. Okay. But when I'm, I'm still 15. I haven't even turned 16 yet. And um, I didn't care about Boag. I wanted to talk about the Rolling Stones, actually, and going to concerts. That's all I gave a shit about. And um, so me and the farmers would make jokes like I would draw the rolling stones lips and they would draw cows and we would slipping notes back and for, forth to each other and i mean i still remember it i i if i could find them and apologize to them i really would okay cuz i can only imagine what they thought anyhow it was it was brutal the lunchroom was brutal the playground was brutal <sighs> but i wasn't trying to win them over i really had had um my mind set on what I was gonna do in life. I was gonna go to school because I had to. As soon as I got off school, run, run, run. Like I ran twelve miles a day. How did I know it was exactly twelve miles? Because four times a round is one mile on the track. Okay? And I, I ran until it hit twelve miles every day. Rain, sleet or snow. I wasn't in track well I did try cross country for a while but I just didn't fit in with with the groups with the people I've never fit in probably because I moved out of 12 years of school I went to 15 different schools so I taught myself not to get too close to people because I'm going to get hurt they're going to get hurt so I just and plus I was more grown up somehow. Like they all lived at their family's house and were coddled and knew the same people their whole life. And I didn't. So concerts were my number one goal. That's where I felt at home. So I wanted to stay as fit as possible. 300 jumping jacks per day, 12 miles of jogging per day. And if I didn't do it on the track, I would do it out back of my grandfather's. He had, um, in back of his property were lots of fields, not just cornfields, but other fields. I would jog the same amount of time. Like on weekends, I didn't go to the high school and jog. So i just jog, jog, jog. And if there was a concert, I'd get ready and go to the show. No matter what concert it was, I was going. I was not trying to meet boys. I didn't care. I mean, some of the guys were making jokes, but they weren't really allowed to try to date me because the women the girls would scathe them like how dare you talk to her she's the new girl so the guys were petrified to talk to me i could tell they wanted to they just were too scared Uh, i got a job at the bottom of the hill of my school which was called rockville high there was clyde chevrolet buick clyde chevrolet buick anyways i walked i waltzed in there one day and i was like hey you guys need any help? Because I'm looking for a job. And the manager at that time was called Brian Meehan. M-E-E-H-A-N. Brian Meehan. Kind of looked like a very young version of David Letterman. Actually, at that time, David Letterman was still young. So he looked like David Letterman. And I, I, I thought he was so charming and funny. I mean, he's much older than me. But he was like, oh, yeah, I can find you a job. You can, in the back, there's a little office. You can sit there and stamps on envelopes for us. They had this stamp machine. You just run it through the machine. And um, you can answer the phone for us. It was like Monday through Friday for two hours a day. It was <laughs> so I got all the guys in the parts department were trying to flirt with me and ask me out on dates and stuff. I hadn't even turned 16 yet. so So October comes along. Boom. October 19th, 1983. I finally turned sweet 16. And uh, my teachers, my math teacher, his name, Mr. Castanello or something. He's like, really, why are you wearing heels at to high school and, and mini skirts and stuff? I'm like, just because I feel like it. You got a problem with that? I started riding my bike to school wearing heels and so on. And they didn't like it. And I'm like, I really don't care. I'm gonna wear what I want to to school and look fine doing it. It was so much pressure because once you dress nice one day you you kind of have to keep that up so it was a lot of work <laughs> um, i actually couldn't wait till school was over. Then I turned into a completely a scruffy hippie anyways that's that's later so the next the next um big concert that sort of changed my life was December 23rd, 1983. So I'm 16 now. A couple months after I turned 16, I had already seen the Ramones movie, um, Rock and Roll High School more than enough times. I mean, keep in mind I'm a huge Stones fanatic at this point. Love the Beatles cuz my mom Kind of listened to them growing up, and I loved Frank Zappa because that was my dad's favorite music. However, Joey Ramone, in that movie Rock and Roll High School, had these big red succulent lips like Mick Jagger, and I just really wanted to go meet Joey Ramone. So I dressed all in pink and went to the Agora Ballroom again, December twenty third, nineteen eighty three. And everybody else there was dressed in black, kind of goth-looking, punk-looking. I was the only one with bright blonde hair dressed in pink, head to toe. And I got into these concerts for free at this point because the Agora Ballroom security was just like, wow, Dots here again. They just waved me in. Come on in. Sometimes they gave me a ticket. They're like, here, come on in. And I'm not kidding. Like I'm I'm totally being legit honest with you. Like when you look that way and you're 15, 16 years old with big tits, it's like the parting of the Red Sea with men. They're just like step aside and let her in. That wouldn't work now at my age. No way. And plus that stuff doesn't work now anyways because of COVID, because of security and so on and so on. But back then it was like, the women got the men like a puppet show. Anyways, go in there and uh, I got in a little early before the rest of the people because I knew the security, and I saw the lighting guys and the soundboard guides for the Ramones, and one of them said, "Oh, aren't you adorable? Come here. You want to? You want to? You want to join us on here for the show?" He introduced himself as Arturo, Arturo Vega. He was flaming gay and couldn't believe how pink I was. <laughs> he was like, you, you're, you're sticking out like a sore thumb. You better stay here on the soundboard with me and the lighting boards so that you don't get crushed. Okay. Cause they're going to do slam dancing and you just really don't want to be involved in that. So you need to stay here with me. So I watched the show from the soundboard slash lighting board because Arturo Vega, you should google him, was the lighting designer for the Ramones. Plus he also (coughs) he also designed the Ramones logo. The famous eagle holding the baseball bat and Arturo did most of the Ramones album covers. So Arturo took me under his wing There was also a guy there named Mitch, who everybody called Bubbles. What was Mitch's last name? I can tell you in a second. Mitch Keller. Mitchell Keller. Mitchell Keller, AKA Bubbles. Mitchell I think was doing sound and Arturo was doing lighting. Anyways, we're all together watching the show. And after the show, Arturo said, of course, I'm going to bring you backstage. I want you to meet the band. I was like, woohoo. So I went backstage and I wanted to meet Joey, of course. Oh my God, I was in love right away. He was so shy. But when he did speak, it was cute and funny. He had a sense of humor that just I had never encountered before. Very dry and witty and oh my God, plus his lips. I was like, oh. And his hair, he was so mysterious behind all that hair. He was just so cute. I loved him right away. I was like, and he was like flirting with me. I mean, okay, I want everyone to understand I didn't look 16. Nobody said, how old are you? I looked 19 and that's actually what I would tell people. I'm 19, I'm 19, anyone who wanted to know. The answer would be 19. And, but nobody asked me how old I was. And I met the rest of the band. Richie, the drummer, Dee Dee, um, let's see, Richie, Dee Dee, Joey, Johnny. Johnny wasn't that friendly, but um, he never was the friendly one. He was just like whatever. Dee Dee was hysterical and Richie was, Richie was also very handsome. Very handsome. Anyways, um, I quickly gave Joey my phone number and remember, again, I have to keep saying this, there was no cell phones back then. (laughs) I gave him my home number, 203-875-1092 and hoped he'd call. Oh, and he did. He called. Every night, actually. He called after every show. Hey, Dad, how are you? And um, I stayed up late anyways. I never went to bed like you're supposed to when you're a student. At 10 p.m. you're supposed to go to bed. I was up doing leg lifts, sit-ups, push-ups in my Rolling Stones room. Listening quietly to Stones music while my Aunt Karen would get pissed in the next room. Go to fucking sleep! But no. And then... The phone would ring there was one phone in the kitchen and one one phone in gramps's room down the hall next to his bed gramps would go the phone would ring and gramps would go dot god damn it that joey ramones on the phone tell him not to call so goddamn late i'd go to the run to the kitchen and i'd say gramps you can put the phone down now so gramps would put the phone down and go back to sleep and i would take the kitchen phone down the cellar stairs and shut the door and I would talk to Joey in the basement. I would talk quietly because I didn't want to wake up my Aunt Karen and Gramps. And I'd ask him how the show was and talk about when the next time we're going to meet. So pretty much every time there was a show anywhere in Connecticut or New York or Massachusetts on a Friday I didn't go to school. they thought i was going to school i'd take a bus or get picked up by their little bus and i would see the shows and hang out the whole weekend with joey (laughs) and um yeah it was really good i i got to stand on stage and watch the shows i loved watching people crowd surf i wasn't in the audience i i never stood in the audience okay because it it did look dangerous to me. I, I just loved the punks, though. I loved all the mohawks and the spikes on their head. And I got to meet a lot of Ramones fans and keep in touch. Um, I mean, I would take a bus everywhere. Sometimes they'd say, oh, can you come to the New Haven show? I would just get really dressed up, looking gorgeous, and go to the Greyhound station and find the bus that's going to New Haven. I'd say, hey... Can I sit, like, on the seat behind you? And I need to go to New Haven. And the bus driver would be like, sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, you can sit right behind me, honey. I never had to fucking buy a bus ticket. Seriously, the shit I used to get away with is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And if I had a girlfriend with me and she was cute, same thing. We never paid for a fucking ticket. Ever. So, that was... Hanging out with Joey was... uh, The first night I met him that December, (laughs) wait, not the first time, the second time I saw him, just for fun, I had a a girlfriend with me, a Ramones fan. I can't remember her name, but she looked very dyke-ish. She had like a flock of seagulls haircut, but it was black and she was very heavy. Um, She was from New Haven. I don't know how this all happened, but she ended up sleeping over my house and taking the picture of me. I have the picture, which I'm definitely going to put in the book. So the second time I met Joey, just for fun, I said, oh, can you sign my tit with a Sharpie? (laughs) Because that was the thing back then. Rock stars would sign girls' tits with Sharpies. So he wrote two old dot, O-L with an apostrophe, two old dot, love Joey. And the O was around my nipple. And there's a picture of me wearing just um, a very tiny pair of underwear posing in my Rolling Stones room with that autograph on my tit. And the the girl, whatever her fucking name, I really don't remember her name. She took the picture and she slept over. I know what it was. She went to the Hartford show from New Haven. or I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. But she slept over and then we, the next day we went to another Ramone show. That's how that happened. Anyhow. It was a blast, and the school soon knew, found out, that I was dating Joey, so the guys knew they didn't have a chance anyways, so just stopped asking. Um, let me look at what, I have a little list of concerts here to kind of jog my memory. Oh, I went, I skipped way ahead. Um. In between the B-52s and that Ramones show, I saw Madness at the Agora Ballroom. Scroll back a little bit. August 19th, 1983. This is before I met Joey, okay? August. After the B-52s, before the Ramones, I definitely, and remember, MTV was around. So I had a mad crush on Suggs, the singer of Madness. I had a crush on anyone who had these big, juicy, red Mick Jagger lips, really. And um, I saw Madness videos all the time, Our House and One Step Beyond. I was like, oh, my God, the singer Suggs is so cute. I wonder if they want a foot massage or a back massage. So I went to the Agora Ballroom and met. I got in free, of course, got in easily. And saw madness, and met them before and after the show, and Suggs was very smitten. He wanted me to go on the rest of the tour with them. And then, the security guys, who always thought they had a chance with me, but they didn't, said, "Oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't uh, try to date her. She's here all the time." And so he's like, "Uh, never mind." The guy said, "You, you're always here, meeting every band." I'm like, "So?" That doesn't mean i'm i haven't made out with anybody and so he kind of got scared off i'm like dude whatever um it sucks because he was super 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 cute who knows i could have been mrs Suggs, but it all worked out for the best because i got to meet joey and hung out with him for three years i mean we were an item even though he had somebody named angela who he was trying to get rid of it but she lived in new york so i don't know He kind of was seeing both of us i mean if you're dating a musician you have to understand you're not going to be the only one so i was at most of the shows and angela was at the new york shows we, our path actually crossed when i went to new york um and the band was like listen just say that you're, you're, you're Richie's girlfriend. I'm like, what? (laughs) So sometimes in New York, if Angela was around, they were like, yeah, she's with Richie. I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't care. I'm easy like Sunday morning. But Joey got rid of her eventually. And I uh, stayed in So then I also saw, let's see, I'm looking at the concert list. I mean, just because I was dating Joey didn't mean I'm gonna stop going to concerts, okay? So I wanted to see Adam Ant and the Romantics. That was March 3rd, 1984. Now it turned 1984. And um, so I went there, not dressed hot, just dressed normal with sneakers and i was like so listen me and my friends want to get in does anyone want a back massage could not meet adam and the ants for some reason they were very hard to meet but we met the romantics and that was fucking fun that was in milford connecticut and i ended up giving wally the singer a back massage and we got in free and he's like if you want to come to any other shows you're definitely allowed and we had a, a great time with the Romantics. They are fun as hell. I'm trying to remember where else I saw the. Oh, yeah. I think in Worcester Math. Adam and the Ants and the Romantics. Again, I saw them in Worcester Math. It was, by the way, that was a really good show. Adam and Ant is fucking amazing on stage. And the Romantics were fun. And they were huge at the time. The Romantics had that hit, I hear the secrets that you keep when you're talking in your sleep. I mean, Wally was much older than me and loved his back massage. She was getting kind of a little bit flirty, but I was like, I'm dating Joey Ramone. So, you know, that kept the guys at bay. I would tell them I'm dating Joey Ramone and they'd stopped asking. So that was actually a very good thing. A shield. Then I saw uh, Joey again. Oh, geez, a lot. March 10th the living room and Blizzard, the living room Toad's Place again in the Agora Ballroom they they toured a lot a lot, I don't think anyone toured more than the Ramones, Ramones just never stopped touring, so I saw Joey a lot, and there was a lot of phone calls, and oh well, did I get to that point where they came ah, no I don't want to jump ahead. Then I saw The Clash. Now we're talking spring. I'm 16 April 24th 1984. The Agora. Agora Ballroom in East Hartford, Connecticut. I went to see The Clash. Dressed a bit sporty. Brought massage oil. Wanted to meet The Clash. And that happened to be the same night that the pretenders played at the Bushnell and the Alarm was a band from Wales opened for them. So the Alarm and the Pretenders played at the Bushnell the same exact night, the Clash played at the Agora. So that was Connecticut was fucking on fire that night. Okay. So during, towards the end of the Clash show, I was in the VIP section, hanging out with the Alarm, watching the Clash. And then after the show, uh, Joe Strummer asked me could I massage his legs because he had just I mean he was training for a a marathon he was a runner an avid runner so I got to know Joe and oh my god to know Joe is to, he is so awesome like Joe Strummer is so fucking awesome and um, and to get to the hotel they said come on the bus so I got on the the bus the clashes bus and we're sitting there waiting for some stragglers, somebody else in the band that was taking too long backstage. And I don't know what this was about, but Chrissy Hind walked onto the bus, to the clas- onto the Clash's bus, and had some words with somebody in the bus. <coughs> <laughs> and Joe Strummer threw a beer bottle at her, told her to fuck off. and She went off the bus. I don't know what the argument was about. But I was like, oh my god. <laughs> they didn't like her. I don't know. There was some argument. Some static. She was kind of bitchy. So, But like I said, I don't know what the argument was about. I think she's a pretty cool person from what I've seen. But that night there was a lot of friction and tension in the air. It was, I don't know. Then I went to the hotel and massaged Joe. Massaged his legs. Who was super fit massage his back, massage his legs, gave him my number. I mean, I wish there was phones back then. I'm telling you, I could have so many more videos, so many more pictures. I do have a picture of him from that night. He's got a mohawk. And that wasn't the last time I saw him either. I saw him again in Berlin, like in 1990. I think it was 1990, I have it all written down, don't worry. Anyhow, so that was the clash. Then the Ramones, again, at UNH Stores, Connecticut, April, 1984, April 29th, 1984. So that was a busy week. The Clash was April 25th, 1984. The Ramones was April 29th, 1984. I remember that show specifically because I brought Vicki Olet, my girlfriend. And um, the Ramones had some friends. I, I think it was a pretty big, it wasn't just the Ramones. There were other bands playing, but, I was only there to see the Ramones, so I didn't care. I there was some other famous person there with dark red hair. I'm not sure if that was the Dead Boys or whoever, but the pictures I have from that day, maybe somebody can identify him. But um, that was a great day. I remember that? I got lots of pictures from that day. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that the day? No, that was not. The Anyways, I hung out with Joey and showed him around Connecticut a little bit. Then again, I saw him May 18th. They played the Twilight Zone again. They played there a lot. And then I flew down to Virginia. Not just to see the Ramones, but... Because I lived in Virginia Beach before that, remember? Like one year before that, I still lived in Virginia Beach. So, um... Oh, I know what it was. My dad and my stepmother had already moved down to Georgia, but they rented their house, 817 Romney Lane, to my dad's old best friend, Roy. Roy and Sue, they rented that house. So they said, sure, you can come stay with us. So I flew down to Virginia Beach to see Joey. And Vera was there, Vera Ramon, And that's when I started to become really good friends with Vera. And we are still good friends till this day. You're saying, who's Vera? Vera was married to Didi Ramon. That show was June first, nineteen eighty-four, so I'm still sixteen. And they played at the boathouse. So I mean I had met Vera a couple times in passing at New York City area Ramon's shows. But this time we really got to to get close. And there's a cute picture of Vera and I from that night at the boathouse. That was a good time, okay? And um, I just, oh, beautiful. It was super hot. I got to show Joey a little bit around, and then June 8th. Okay, This this is hilarious. Now, keep in mind 1994, MTV's going on, and that's how people found out, really, about concerts. MTV would list who's on tour, and they would read their concert dates. It was like scrolling on the screen always, right? Mm. So I remember um, convincing Joey at the Norfolk show after the show, we're hanging out. I was like, Joey... My high school, Rockville High, we really, really would love it if you could play at the Country Squire. Like, I want you to play for my high school. Okay, I'll get the whole school there. And, I mean, I might have been whispering this in his ear for a couple months, actually. I remember trying to beg him to, to play for, for my school in my town. And it was so funny to see MTV read off the tour dates, upcoming tour dates for the Ramones. Because the VJ, the video jockey, was reading off the tour dates. And they said, Ellington, Connecticut, the country squire. Like they said it like they never heard of Ellington, Connecticut. It was really cute. So I told my whole school, uh, you got to come to the country squire. They made it an all-ages Possibility for that show. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the Agora Ballroom did that too. So that if you want alcohol, you have you have to have a bracelet and go in that section of the ta- um of the club. And if you're underage, you could be in a different section of the club. Anyways, the Country Squire was a rinky dink rinky dink. Was oh, a bar in Rinky Dink Old Ellington, which was. Like, like I told you before, tons, tons of cow fields, corn fields and cows everywhere, right? It was a cow town, farmer town. However, me and Joey were very, very, very smitten, and he did that for me. He said, "Okay, we're going to play in Ellington. I had the whole school there, waiting for the Ramones. They were two hours late running two hours late and the pressure was on everyone's like oh you're full of shit the Ramones aren't coming and there was no cell phones back then like I said and I was sweating bullets I'm like maybe they're not coming I mean stressing out really bad I mean everyone's having fun anyways people were sneaking outside and smoking doobies and stuff but um and there was a lot of Ramones fans from other places, like there was some that came from Boston and New Haven and all that, and so we're like, "Where the hell are the Ramones and they finally pull into the the gravel parking lot with their little van and Monty, the road manager, who I'm still friends with till this day, Monty Melnick, I'm like, "What the heck happened?" and He's like, "We got pulled over by the police. They searched our fucking van for like an hour and a half and held us there, blah blah blah, looking for drugs." So, anyways, they made it and got right on stage. It was fucking great. And the ceilings weren't really that high. I wish I had more pictures that day. So, Joey's so tall. His head was almost hitting, like, the ceiling when he was singing. And, oh, my God, it was, it was, it reminded me of the movie Rock and Roll High School. (laughs) Like, I had my, most of my high school there. I mean, not, obviously, the whole school can't fit in the bar, but... Everyone that I knew was there in my grade, having a fucking great time, the 11th grade. And um, during their break, they took a break, they went outside and I'm like hanging out with Joey. And they're like, out out behind the bar, you know, it was dark and they're like, but the moonlight, they're like, those are, there's cows. Is that corn? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, fuck him up. They couldn't believe it that they were surrounded by corn and cows. It was really cute. It was so cute. And so Monty and Johnny, Monty and Johnny dropped me, Joey, Didi, and Richie off at my grandfather's house. Okay. And Johnny and Monty went home to New York. The guys stayed over. Joey slept in my room, and Dee Dee and Richie crashed in the living room. And the next day, I brought. Well, first of all, they wanted to go get some YooHoo chocolate milk, so so I brought them to 7-Eleven, and they got Yoo-Hoo and some donuts. They ate really unhealthy, really really unhealthy food. And then I took them to Vernon Circle where they have go-karts. They went on the go-karts for hours. And no one really recognized them. No one, I mean, the Ramones are super famous now. But back then, people just thought, oh, these are some weirdos dressed in jeans and leather. Like, you know. They didn't really pay no mind to the Ramones walking around Rockville and Vernon. And they didn't. So... <laughs> killing myself for not having i mean what 16 year old back in 1984 has a video camera nobody but um i mean that's what the memory is about and that's why i'm telling you and that's why i want to call the book before i forget so i can share these fun stories before i get alzheimer's or whatever dementia but that was one of my fondest memories like having them sleep over and then go to vernon circle and ride the go-kart. Joey's legs are so long. Just seeing him. Actually, you know what? Somewhere I might have pictures of Joey on the go-karts cuz I did have a 35 mm camera. A lot of my pictures are blurry cuz I'm not I mean, I'm good at taking pictures now, but you have to do it very you have to be very still when you use those cameras and a lot of my camera a lot of my pictures are blurry back then, but I, I think I do have pictures of Joey on the, um, in fact, I have a picture of Joey holding my 35 millimeter camera. That's for sure. And then he took a picture of himself with my 35 millimeter camera. I have that picture too. So you'll see him holding my camera and then see the results of that. It's really funny. So I think I might have a picture of him on the go-karts. Um, his legs are so effing long. To see him on a go-kart was hilarious, okay. Fucking hilarious. He was so tall. That actually turned me on about him. That he was so tall. I was like, oh God, he's so tall. Mm. He's tall. He's mysterious. He's funny. I love him. And he was very kind and great kisser. The best kisser ever. Mm. So uh, yes, I love Joey. So um, that after that, that was June eighth, nineteen eighty four. That show. Then, I went to go visit my grandma Dorothy Crumblehome, who lived in assisted, like a housing, an apartment building for older older people. June fifteenth. 1984 i went to go visit my grandma wearing just good girl clothes little white tank top and a skirt flat shoes get off the bus at springfield greyhound station or whatever and to get to her house i had to pass by the civic center i mean it's kind of like in between the bus station and where my grandma lives. So I'm walking by on one of those streets and I, a limo, it's daytime. It's like, I don't know, 2 p.m. or something. Yeah, I used to kind of be a day, day person. A limousine drives by and these crazy guys are yelling out the window. They have white lion mane hair and black hair like, like they just look like hard rock actually i thought they were girls at first hey baby blah blah blah, blah. and i'm like all laughing walking and they're like come here and i'm like yeah And, uh, and they're like what are you doing and i'm like i'm going to see my grandma who are you they're like we're f- motley fucking crew i'm like oh really i've ah uh, yeah okay that explains it all the hair and stuff and they're like yeah we have a show today you want to come to our show and I'm like I'm going to see my grandma like, oh yeah well you can go see her later and all this stuff so I'm like you know what if it lands in your lap like that then why not so I get in the limo <laughs> they're driving around raising help picking up girls they're looking for chicks you know and um we drive to the civic center or whatever it's called and there's a whole line of girls. Like, they're all standing like in a police lineup, but a really long one. And they look like the naughtiest, sluttiest girls ever. The kind of girls you see in metal videos, okay? Like hairband metal. Fucking, they're wearing leopard this and red shiny leather that and... You know, just the spiky fucking hair and tons of makeup and stuff. <clears throat> and well, I'm looking all innocent, okay? I'm wearing a white kind of sporty shirt that has a bra built in, like an exercise shirt and a little skirt, and my vans. I so I didn't look like all the rest of those girls. That's probably why they liked me. Then We get out of the limo, go under their bus, Nikki Six, Vince Neil, Tommy, Nick Mars, or Mick Mars, whatever. Um, actually that guy, Mick Mars, he was already on the bus. He wasn't in the limo. So we get on the bus and, um, they're like, do you want to drink? I go, no, I don't drink. You don't drink. I'm like, nope. In fact, I'm a vegetarian and I jog 12 miles a day and they're like, oh my God, that's why you look so fine and all this stuff. And I go, and I'm, I'm, dating someone they're like oh you got a boyfriend I'm like yeah and they're like oh fuck that and you know but it was really funny I go I'm a massage therapist they're like no way so Vince Neil kicks off his shoe and I start massaging his foot in the in the bus and um he's like oh wow you're strong you know like yeah and he's like oh my god I think I'm in love I'm like yeah well he's like I have an idea you want to be part of our show tonight I'm like I I don't sing um, I don't know your music at, and he's like no, no 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 we have a song called too young to fall in love and every single night on stage we need like a blonde girl to be sacrificed like there's like a Godzilla uh, there's like a King Kong that's what it is a King Kong we have a King Kong gorilla guy and he grabs a girl and holds her up high above you know and i'm like i don't know he's like yeah you'll love it and and i go well i don't know i don't really like heavy metal i listen to the rolling stones They're like yeah yeah, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter so um anyways while we're talking uh nikki six okay and, and this this is not private information because you've seen the fucking movie by now I'm not joking. The ima- I was on that bus for probably three hours, <clears throat> and they were on and off the bus a lot. I guess they had sound check or whatever. Um, I mean, during the sound check, I went in there and saw Anyway, listen. Let me get back to you. Nikki Six. Went on and off that bus with multiple chicks. He'd bring a girl into the back of the bus. Uh, 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 all that shit and then bring her off the bus go out, pick a a different one from the lineup, bring her on the bus Uh, 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 bring her off the bus I was like, what the fuck I mean the stories are real this band was like raising hell Vince Neil also, I mean I saw him later um, was it after the show? No, know, when we went in, he was um, some skinny, disgusting redhead. I mean, you'll see a picture of me sandwiched in between Rat and Motley Crue. Stephen Piercy from Rat and Vince Neil from Motley Crue. I'm sitting in between them backstage talking. And this really skinny redhead, she comes over and she whispers something into Vince's ear. He goes, and soon after she whispered in his ear, he went, oh, okay. And he followed her into the next room. Now, keep in mind, this is backstage at the Springfield Civic Center. I think that's what it was called. And it looks like it's made for athletes. Like if a big basketball team or hockey team wanted to shower, they would go in this room, and there was a bunch of showers. So I got up. And left Stephen Pearcy sitting there. And there was a bunch of fans around anyways. And I don't know. It was like a meet and greet room or something. It was after the show. So I guess a select amount of groupies were allowed to come in after the show. And I followed uh, secretly, quietly, followed where they went. And they were fucking standing up in the shower. Not with water on. Just like in a shower, cabin, whatever. They were having sex, standing up. I'm like, whatever. So I went back and sat down next to Steven, and then Vince joined us a couple minutes later. (laughs) So uh, they were really enjoying their um, wild times, as they should. As they should. That's what hot-blooded males are supposed to do. Girl! girls, girls, girls. Isn't that a Motley Crue song? I think it is. Anyways, um, this, the thing was, I was supposed to play Fay Ray. Apparently, every night, they had a gorilla, a guy in a gorilla suit have sacrifice one woman or another during the song, Too Young to Fall in Love. And I happened to be that girl that night. However, when Vince wasn't around, the stage manager asked me to stand behind the speakers until it was my time to get picked up by this gorilla. So I'm hiding behind this giant wall of speakers on stage. I could see the first couple rows of people um, during the show because the lighting, you know, you can see the first couple rows of people. And I did recognize some faces, actually, because Springfield, Mass, is not very far from Hartford, Connecticut, which is my romping ground, and where I went to school is not far from Hartford. So I recognized some people from my high school in the first couple rows, and I wasn't waving or trying to get their attention. Anyway, because the thing is, I was always telling people at school that I don't like heavy metal, that I like classic rock. I don't like metal. I was always saying, eh. So I was kind of embarrassed. Anyways, the stage manager wanted to... Um, play a trick on Vince or whatever. So he said, I'm going to be across the stage from you behind the other side, the speakers. Like there's, you know, giant speakers on both sides of the stage. So they're behind those speakers, and I'm behind the other speakers on the other side of the stage. The guy said, when I flash the flashlight at you, lift up your shirt. During the show, they're singing, you know. So I'm like, all right, I don't care, whatever. I have beautiful tits. I'd love to show them off. Why not? I'm 16. Who cares? Um, So there's a song playing. I don't know. Because I I don't know what songs Motley Crue sings really. Smoke in the boys' room. Not even their song. Anyways, the guy's flashing the lights on me. Which makes Vince look over to see what what he's flashing. And I lift up my shirt and jiggle my tits around. And Vince fucking trips over his feet and falls on the stage. I mean, And of course... Stage manager and every, everybody else is laughing. I guess everybody knew it was going to happen except Vince. So, I mean, guys play tricks on each other on tour a lot. They punk each other and stuff. So then, during Too Young to Fall in Love, the gorilla, the guy must have been seven, almost seven feet tall. It was a huge guy in a gorilla suit. You know, a gorilla came. There was smoke on the stage. There's got to be a video of this somewhere. I wish someone would send it to me. There's got to be a video of it, okay? There has to be. Um, let me put the date out there just in case someone, some, someone somewhere, can find it. Hmm? Shall we? We're talking. Oh, where are we now? Motley Crue, June fifteenth, nineteen eighty-four, Springfield, Mass. All right. During the song, Too Young to Fall in Love, Gorilla picks me up, one hand, like, on my waist, one hand on my neck, holding me straight up in the air above his head. And I was screaming, which is good, because that's what they wanted. They want you to wiggle and scream, like, apparently, Fay Ray did in the King Kong movie or something. I don't know. But I was like, ah! And I could see first couple of rows looking at me screaming and everything and then it was it was great i really would love a video of that had a great time partied with them after a little bit i mean party as in hang out and laugh and stuff cuz i don't drink right you don't jog 12 miles a day and drink but i do remember vince neal gave me one of his rings he has he had leather rings on his fingers that had little metal spikes not really sharp spikes but I don't know, how to explain, little spikes, I have it still, he said, please don't ever forget me, I know you have a boyfriend, but you're so beautiful, and you have amazing looking boobs, and you gave a good foot massage, don't ever forget me, and um, I, of course, I didn't forget him, I saw him a couple times after that, I saw them in 85, and I saw them later on in England at a festival, so I know them, they know me, and I still have the ring in one of my jewelry boxes, it's old as hell. It's uh, leather. I don't even think it's real leather, to be honest with you. It's like a mix of rubber and leather. It's got these silver spikes all around it. And, uh, oh, did I get a bunch of shit at school the next day at school? I don't know if it was the next day or the next school day, but they are like, uh-huh, we saw you at the Motley Crue show, you groupie. We didn't think you liked heavy metal. You said you don't like heavy metal. Hmm. And I'm like, um... Just because I was at the concert doesn't mean I'm a metalhead now suddenly. And, you know, so some of the girls called me a groupie. I'm like, whatever. Call me whatever you want. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but I'll be backstage and you won't, okay? So there's that. But, yeah, um, I never did make it to my grandma's house that trip, but I did go back and see her like a week later. I loved my grandma. Her name is Dorothy. I'm named after her. And she was so funny. Um, I mean, that's, I would, I would stay with her a couple nights and go jogging. And she's like, you're crazy going up and down them stairs and jogging. And she was quick to point out to me. I took a shower and she looked at my skin, I remember. And she goes, there's something wrong with you. Your whole back is covered in white spots. You look like an Appaloosa. And I was like, what? She goes, yeah, you're too skinny. You have white spots or something, something wrong and um, I'm glad she pointed that out to me because it turns out um, I was I was definitely a vegan, even though I don't think that was a thing back then. I was trying to be as healthy as possible, just eating, literally just eating vegetables and fruit. Like no cheese, no flour, nothing, just vegetables and fruit. I thought that was the healthy thing to do. However, I hadn't had my period for two years, and I had 3% body fat. Someone measured, or was it five? Maybe it was five. I met another runner, and he used this tool on me to measure my body fat, and he's like, oh, my God. Um, I was ripped. I was I was a hard body, shredded, you know, but there's too much of a good thing. I was lacking protein, Um and my skin was showing it. My, my grandma pointed that out to me. And she, was, she would lay on the floor with a pillow under her boobs, watching TV, eating canned peaches and cottage cheese, <clears throat> watching beauty pageants and stuff. She goes, you should be on TV. You're prettier than those girls. I'm like, no, I'm not. She goes, you are, you are. One time I went to visit her after a Grateful Dead show, also at the Springfield Mass., Civic Center. That was a couple years later. She goes, you're high as a kite. High as a kite. I can just tell you're high as a kite. That's another whole story. Um, I loved my grandmom so much and regret not seeing her. I was on my way to see her and Motley Crue kind of hijacked me, but I'll I'll never get over the fact that she died when I was um, pregnant with my daughter I didn't didn't get to go to the funeral because I was in Europe. She died when I was in Europe. Loved that woman. And um, yeah, so I'm going to end this book part four here with that tale. And I will pick up sooner than I have. I'm not going to let another year go by because I have discovered a wonderful woman named Sandra who is mutual friends with Vera Ramon. Now Sandra has motivated me to really get my book out there so she can transcribe it and we can get it in print. So Sandra's a writer, she's based out of Florida, just like Vera Ramon, and we're all three of us are friends now. And I'm really gonna try to get this done. I mean it's four o'clock in the morning and instead of me sleeping or doing chores like I'm supposed to be doing, I'm making an effort here and I'm getting the stories out. So this is book part four, and um, I'm going to work on book part five as soon as I can. Catch you later.